Hello, and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one-stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self-awareness, sustainability and consistency, training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Right, welcome back. This is episode 157, and today we are taking a deep dive into the kipping pull-up. Now, this entire episode was inspired or based on a statement that I wrote in a recent Instagram post, and that statement was, it's cool if you can do 70 kipping pull-ups. It's fucking awesome if you can do 20 strict pull-ups. So I wanted to just dissect that statement and explain exactly why we so firmly believe in it. So to start, I want to first define a kipping pull-up and just dive into sort of the mechanics of it. So the kipping pull-up is a dynamic variation of the traditional pull-up in which the hip generates momentum to propel the body through that range of motion. In other words, traveling from a position below the bar to a position in which the chin is above the bar. Now there are two types of kipping pull-ups, a gymnastics kip, which would be your standard kip, and a butterfly kip. Now, the gymnastics kip is what you see most folks performing inside of functional fitness facilities. The movement and the range of motion looks similar to that of a pendulum. Athletes would start in the bottom position, move themselves to the top in which the chin is over the bar, and then swing back down, and it creates a C-shaped type pendulum. Now, to further elaborate on it, and I will link a video of this in the show notes, but if I had to explain it to you, it would be that a person is hanging on the bar in a dead hang position. They start to initiate the swing at the hip, and that translates up into the shoulder. That's the kip. Once they're in a position where the hip is flexed and they're slightly behind the bar, they violently extend the hip, or what would be look like kicking down, and squeezing the butt to create that momentum. At that point, they would pull with their Latin biceps to get their chin above the bar. And prior to descending, they'll push themselves away from the pull-up bar to set themselves up for the next swing. Now, the butterfly kip is something that you'll see high-level CrossFit athletes perform. These are the ones that you see like at, on TV at the CrossFit Games or like the wannabe high-level athletes at the local gym. And the butterfly kip was a result of needing to move faster in competition because the standard kip wasn't fast enough. Now, aside from the initial dead hang, hip-initiated swing, and that hip extension, the butterfly kip is a different mechanic than the gymnastics kip. After initiating the swing and extending the hip to get the chin above the bar, individuals no longer push themselves away from the bar 
Rather, they allow the forward momentum to carry them forward and underneath the bar, where the next repetition would be generated by flexing the hip again. So it creates this elliptical type shape as they cycle through reps. Now again, I'll link a video to both of those exercises in the show notes so that you can visually see what's going on here, but I at least wanted to try to explain. Now, both variations of the kip demand significant capacity at the shoulder. The shoulder needs to be able to flex slightly beyond full range of motion on each repetition. Now, slight flexion beyond full range of motion is pulling your arm up above your head and beyond your ear, back almost in line with the back of your neck. Now, in addition to that, this mechanic, this kip, places high stress on the smaller musculature and supporting structures like the rotator cuff and bicep tendon, which is why there is such a prevalence of slap tears in the CrossFit community or in the functional training space. Now, all that said, there are some positives to the kipping pull-up. It does make high-volume pull-ups significantly more manageable because the hip is much stronger and has greater endurance than the lat and the biceps and the other musculature associated with the pulling. And that's exactly why you'll see CrossFitters have the capacity to perform 50, 60, 75 consecutive reps. And that's exactly why the kipping pull-up has gained so much popularity in the world of functional fitness. It is truly all about speed. More speed equals more power output. Greater power output equals greater work capacity. And according to CrossFit, greater work capacity across broad time and modal domains equals more fitness. Now here's the problem. The kipping pull-up receives so much praise within that space, within that world, that individuals whom are not even close to being ready, in other words, haven't developed the stability, the strength, muscular endurance, or the coordination, they start trying to learn the movement within a few weeks of starting up classes. That is not okay. That is how people get hurt. That is how injuries occur. That is why we are not impressed. We literally don't give a fuck how many kipping pull-ups you can do. Frankly, I don't care if you can do a single kipping pull-up. I am much more impressed by the number of strict pull-ups you can perform. Ash and I truly believe that the traditional pull-up needs to receive more praise and recognition across the world of fitness. Strict pull-ups are fantastic. They train and develop grip strength, muscular strength, endurance, kinesthetic awareness, all of which are essential to our functionality and longevity as humans. Plus, the strict pull-up doesn't place the shoulder in a compromised position on any of the repetitions. In fact, proficiency in the strict pull-up requires that the shoulder be in a supported and stable position on each rep. Now, sure, anyone who's a fan or a supporter of the kipping pull-up is going to argue that traditional pull-ups are slower. But that's the entire point. They don't need to be lightning fast. If you want to go fast and elevate your heart rate and focus on developing like anaerobic capacity, there are a lot better exercises to incorporate into your program than kipping pull-ups. Save the pull-ups for slower, more methodical, strength-oriented sessions. And by the way, just as a disclaimer, if you're really proficient at pull-ups, they don't have to be slow. You can cycle through those pretty damn fast. So 
getting back on track here, what would impress us? Not that you need to impress us, but what are our standards when it comes to the pull-up? Like how many consecutive reps do we believe that you should strive to achieve? Now, as we've mentioned in previous pieces of content, we believe that the gold standard for strict pull-ups are as follows. Men, 20 plus consecutive repetitions. Women, 10 plus consecutive repetitions. We are way more impressed if you can meet those standards than we'd ever be if you hopped up and did 70 kipping pull-ups. Just imagine what would happen to your fitness, specifically your pulling strength, if you stopped kipping. Would you get stronger? Fuck yeah. Would you get better at pull-ups? Absolutely. Would your lats and biceps grow? It's highly likely. Would you lose, quote, conditioning? Fuck no. All in all, we firmly believe that eliminating the kipping pull-up from your fitness regimen will make you significantly better overall. So to wrap things up here, let me ask you a question. And be honest with yourself. How many kipping pull-ups do you have? Is it 10, 20, 30, 40 or more? And now, how many strict pull-ups do you have? Are those two numbers anywhere near one another? Are they even in the same ballpark? That answer should be pretty eye-opening. Because if they aren't in the same ballpark, now we've got some serious deficiencies that we need to look at and consider when we're talking about our pulling strength and capacity. So hopefully this conversation provided some insight into our beliefs around fitness and better yet, opened your eyes to the fact that the kipping pull-up might not be as cool as your coach claimed it was in those first few weeks of your group classes. As always, gang, we appreciate you so much for tuning in. We love you and we hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you. If you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review in there as well. That is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform. Lastly, if you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Our handles are either ballistic.performance or ballistic performance across all of those platforms. Or you can check us out online at trainballistic.com. Again, we appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.